What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area, and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside my co-hosts, Jack Manis and Andrew Schreffler. Welcome back, folks. Week one in the books. We're on to week two. I had to remind myself earlier today to soak in the season because before we know it, it could all just quickly go right before our eyes. So we have to remember to... Uh, be in the moment and ground ourselves throughout throughout the fall here. But on the bright side, still have 17 regular season weeks to go in the playoffs. Week one is in the books. It was a quite eventful one. We're going to get to all the action, recap some of the biggest storylines. Of course, talk about the Eagles, talk about the Steelers, and preview our week two uh, most marquee matchups and get to our picks, of course, at the end of the show. Without further ado, we're going to get right into it because we got a lot to talk about. We got to stay on schedule here. We're going to go to Eagles Rant of the Week. And we've added Steelers Rant of the Week too because considering how the Steelers played on Sunday, it's, it felt like it was necessary. I think so. But we'll, we'll start with the main segment uh, of the rants, Eagles Rant of the Week. Uh, Shref, the floor is yours. Yeah, we're back. Um, I'll start with uh, the, the main thought here before I say anything else is a win is a win, especially in week one. A lot of variables going into it. A win is a win, but no matter how it looks, no matter how ugly it might be. Um, I think at least I, I mean, I feel like as Eagles fans, we were obviously very excited coming in, very good team. Um, but I feel like we all kind of knew that this game was going to be an interesting one. Uh, obviously, it's an away game, which is always going to be a little bit tougher, but especially in New England, an away game. And then you add on top of it that Brady's coming back for the halftime uh, ceremony and all that fun stuff. Like, it, it was a, it, it was very much an away game. It was the definition of an away game. Um, and then also giving Bill Belichick an entire off season to prepare for you is, you know, always going to be a little tough. I, th- I looked it up to make sure that like it, it all tracks. He's, I believe, he's sixteen and seven in Week One games in his career. So there's there's certainly a, a, a you know a little bit of a track record that he he, he gets his guys ready. Um, so with all that being said, uh, I think we all knew it was going to be a little bit closer, and it was close. Uh, I'll start with some positives before I get into some of the negatives that I saw. Um, I would say far and away the most impressive part was the defensive line, um, and that's to be expected. This is the group that Howie Roseman has always uh, very heavily invested in, and 
right away in week one. It did start to prove itself. Um, obviously, I, I think the biggest takeaway is going to be Jalen Carter, and I'm hoping that I continue to say this. Um, and I don't want to get too high on him yet because of the fact that like the on-field play for Jalen Carter was never the concern and why he fell in the draft. It was off-the-field concerns. So obviously we got to wait and, you know, um, but I will say that if he, you know, has truly like turned over a new leaf and is starting to kind of find his way as a pro and that the guys in the locker room seem to be, you know, helping him out. There was an article that came out that Fletcher Cox is apparently calling him like every day, every other day, just like checking in on him, seeing what's going on. So as long as like these things keep happening and it's seeming real, like it seems like the Eagles might have might have gotten a good one here uh first game uh seven pressures in a sack not too shabby um so hoping that continues he was in there for a majority of the plays i think he got the most snaps out of any defensive tackle so it's a good sign jordan davis also looked the part forced to fumble uh was there in the run game all day and looked decent as a pass rusher i thought so promising with him it seemed like it was more of a stamina issue than it was the actual talent issue so if, if he's getting that squared away and can stay on the field for meaningful snaps and it's a good sign um obviously fletcher cox milton williams too like the this unit's so deep and i'm gonna shout out uh josh sweat too as much as i love hassan reddick and like just kind of for how small he is how powerful and fast he is josh sweat is like so just technically gifted and so long like he like even if you're just kind of watching the game like you you notice him even when he's not necessarily like getting a sack or anything like that I, I'm a big fan of him. Uh, probably a little biased, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of this year we we talk about him as like a top ten edge rusher type of player. Like he he is very very good. Um, so yeah, that, that's the main thing for the positives because there wasn't much else. Darius Slay also played very well. He's getting up there in age, but he like is really showing no signs of slowing down whatsoever. So certainly a good sign heading into the season where they are relying on him to be the top guy. Negatives. Uh, this is where it gets a bit more interesting. And I'll say all this while also saying that it's only week one, so I'm not going to say that this is a, a huge issue. But it seemed like there were some problems with guys that maybe no preseason work. And Sirianni mentioned it after the game that he said he's going to reconsider his whole not playing guys in preseason. Um, it seemed like there were some guys who you wouldn't expect to start off slow that started off a little slow. Um, specifically, I'm going to say the offensive line right off the bat, I think Lane Johnson allowed like six pressures or something like that. Like since when has that ever been a stat that has come out for him? Like ever um, just doesn't happen. So him and my both weren't great. Um, and it kind of all goes back to Jalen hurts where like, I don't even know if I can say that he played a bad game. Cause I don't think the Patriots even like gave him a chance to play a bad game. Really? I think that's the best way I can describe it. Like, he, he had that fumble, which was uh, the one time that he decided to actually, like, lower his shoulder on a run. He was kind of uh, sliding and getting out of harm's way most of the time, which I'm personally okay with for now. Um, but he lowered the shoulder once, paid the price for it, ball popped out. Um, bad. Don't want that. But besides that, like, made a couple nice deep throws. The one to A.J. Brown that didn't count was an absolute beauty of a throw. But I feel like the Patriots just kind of, they just kind of had him stifled the entire time. They couldn't really find anyone, and Lane and Mylotta playing as bad as they did just didn't help because it, it forced them to run around, and the first guy just seemed to never be open. So they did what they could. Um, I'm hoping next week against the Vikings is kind of a get-right game for that offense because I don't really think the Vikings' defense is all that good. Um, but 
I think it's also the play calling for me. It's the first week, so I'm not going to get too mad. Dallas Goddard, I think, had zero targets, like one or zero targets. Can't have that. I thought there was some situational play calling that Brian Johnson could have been better with. Um, what did I put off the top of my head? There was a, I got penalized and it was like first and 20 and it was an immediate, like it was, it was the first read. It was an immediate deep ball to Devonte Smith. And I just like, personally, I just kind of feel like maybe getting some yards back on first and 20 instead of throwing yourself in second and 20 on a deep ball shot, maybe isn't the smartest thing, especially when you're nearing like a field goal slash touchdown range. Um, and then also at the end of the half, this might, this, this is probably more on Sirianni, but they got the ball back with, I think two timeouts in like 30 seconds at like their 30 and they gave it to Gainwell up the middle for like two yards and then ran into the locker room at halftime. Like I, that offense is an offense that can get down the field that quickly and score if needed. Like I, so just a few small things. Um, I don't want to go too long, so I'll stop here, but Overall, obviously no need to panic. There's some injuries going into next week. Bradbury probably not going to play. Uh, Nicobe Dean, IR. So there's some, there's going to be some interesting competition worked out here, especially at linebacker, it seems like. I know they signed Rashawn Evans, and they also pulled up Nicholas Morrow today from the practice squad. Um, so we'll see how it works. But, I mean, for me, as long as that D-line is still there, I'm pretty confident in the defense. And then I... I'm forcing myself to believe that this offense is going to kind of get right and get moving here in week two against Minnesota. I think that summed it up pretty well. Uh, the Eagles jumped out to a pretty commanding lead. I think it was 16 nothing, And then they kind of let the Patriots hang around and uh, have a chance to win it at the end even. So, you know, kind of got a little dicey there in the second half, but ultimately they prevail. I have two questions for you. Uh, number one, you mentioned James Bradbury. He's in the concussion right. protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, but considering the Eagles' short turnaround here, only playing in, playing two days from today, time yes. of recording, and also considering that Mac Jones had 316 yards, mm-hmm. what would be your level of concern heading into Thursday uh, with the Vikings' passing attack, which saw Kirk Cousins put up 300-plus yards, Addison score a touchdown, and Jefferson doing what Jefferson normally does? On a scale from 1 to 10, how uh, concerned are you on that front? If I was going to give you a number right now, I'm going to throw it at like a six. And there's a little bit, of, there's both things coming into it. That's why it falls like right in the middle there. So one, I mean, as much as I don't think Mac Jones is good, I also know for a fact over years of seeing it that I know Kirk Cousins does not handle pressure well when it comes to the O-line not being able to block and him kind of having to force stuff. I know Garrett Bradbury didn't practice today. So there's a chance that we might not be seeing him on Thursday night. That's their starting center. So that's probably an issue for them, at least. Um, On the flip side, it's the Bradbury injury isn't even what really scares me here. Because watching the game, the biggest issue is the the linebackers in pass coverage. Even before N'Kobe Dean went down, he looked great in the run game. Um, But as soon as they dropped back to pass, it felt like the linebackers were kind of getting lost in space out there. So that's more my concern than it is the corners. Josh Job's going to come in. Um, I think he's in like his third or fourth year. Kind of a good story, like undrafted free agent guy and kind of worked his way from uh, like practice squad to roster and became like their their primary like outside backup. And he looked good in training camp uh, by all accounts. So I have some confidence in him. I think we're going to find out pretty quickly considering he'll be probably covering Jordan Addison, I would assume. So he's going to get Tessa right off the bat, but I have, I have more faith in Job outside than I do in 
the replacements that are going to be out there for Nicobe Dean, I would say. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Second question was Kenneth Gainwell outtouched DeAndre Swift 18 to 2, which was very surprising to me. Um, do you agree with this touch distribution? Do you think it'll continue? Um, I know G- Kenneth Gainwell hurt his ribs, so he also could be up in the air for Thursday. But in general, were you a fan of this or would you have liked to see Swift more involved? I was not a fan at all. I love Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, he's been a very like underrated piece of this team for the last couple of years. But he's also, like, I was looking at it today. I think he's like 5'9" like 190 or something like that. Like he's just not, he's not like a three down back. That's not his, that should not be his role in any situation. I think overall, I was most surprised that Rashad Penny did, uh, was a healthy scratch. Cause I feel like he's out of the three of the, out of the top three guys with him, Swift and Gainwell, I, he's the only one that I feel like offers like a different profile and like a different style of running where I feel like you would maybe want that to kind of mix in there. Um, so that's something I'm going to monitor. I'm also assuming that they're going to get Swift the ball a lot more this week. One, because of the injury, the possible injury to gain well. But um, Sirianni, I mean, this could also just be the classic coach talk, but he said that, like, he never wants to come out of a game and see that DeAndre Swift and, like, realize that DeAndre Swift only had two touches. I feel like this is something that he said about, like, Miles Sanders in the past, too. So I'm not going to, like, say that that 100% means that Swift is going to get it more. But, like, it's pretty. It feels like common sense that you got to rotate it. Like they're, I feel like the offensive line is going to rebound, and you're going to want multiple guys to rotate in there. So I'd, I'd be absolutely shocked if Swift doesn't doesn't at least get the touches. We'll see if he produces with it, but he he's going to get the chance. Fair enough. He certainly will. We will see opportunities, um, as you know, injuries pile up in the NFL, and uh, I know DeAndre Swift is no stranger to that himself, but. You know, he's going to he's going to get more involved. I mean, he's not going to have two touches every week. That would be ridiculous. All right, we're going to move on here to Steelers rant of the week. Uh, Jack, you can take the floor first and then I'll fill in any gaps if you don't mention something that I have written down. But you can go ahead. Can we Obviously, flip that? OK, I, you you me to go go I prefer you to go first. Yeah, sure. I can go first. Uh, Steelers fall to the, I don't want to say fall. They got absolutely demolished by the San Francisco 49ers, 30 to seven. I mean, right from the start, this didn't really look good. Uh, at no point in the game, I'm not, I'm not going to say at no point in the game because at halftime, when we held, we were down 17 to nothing. We held San Francisco to a field goal and then we had the ball with just under two minutes left and we, had a chance to score a touchdown and we did. So it was 20 to seven at that point. I thought there may be a slight sliver of hope. Um, that was quickly shut down in the second half, uh, that did not translate over. But other than that, uh, dwindling moment, I did not feel confident whatsoever at any point in this game that we had a chance to win a uh, complete turnaround from the Kenny Pickett that we grew accustomed to over the second half of 2022. He was indecisive. He missed relatively easy throws, which he was making at, throughout the duration of the latter part of 2022 and in the preseason. Last year, I f- felt confident that he would show up when it mattered most. Not that you know, I felt confident every single time they were going to score, because clearly there were some offensive deficiencies. But when it mattered most, he showed up, um, and that just didn't happen um, on Sunday. 
And I, I kind of lost a little bit of that. Um, the injuries we got, we got beat up pretty badly. Um, unfortunately, no Cam Hayward. I feel like he's at least going to miss four to six weeks. It could be a little bit more than that. Um, Deontay Johnson suffered a hamstring injury, which he is probably going to be out this week. And he could miss a few more games in addition to that. Definitely going to need Keanu Benton, uh, Larry Ogunjobi, Calvin Austin, and Allen Robinson all to step up to fill the void of those two guys that I just mentioned. And speaking of stepping up, uh, George Pickens really needs to. I mean, I didn't... I don't know. I didn't really like his demeanor on Sunday. I, I get it. It was a very frustrating game. We're all frustrated. The fans are. I'm sure the coaches are. The players are. But you can't lose sight of things. Um, it it is certainly a marathon and not a sprint. Almost the last thing I'll say here, but I pose the question: Should we give up on the Dan Moore experiment already? Mm. He was the worst PFF offensive tackle grade out of seventy-five graded tackles in Week One. He allowed nine pressures, six hurries, and a sack. And I just can Broderick Jones really be worse than that? I don't care if he's raw. I feel like it's kind of hard to believe that he'd be worse than that. I feel like at worst, he'd just be the same. You know, I feel like at this point, I mean, Dan Moore has played two and a half seasons, right, Jack? Two. Dan Moore? Yep. So two full seasons. He started 17 games in 21 and 22. Right. So I think, I, I, I don't think he should be getting too many snaps going forward. I just don't think, I don't see the point in it really. I mean, maybe give him another week or two, but if he still does what he did on Sunday, then there's absolutely no reason to play him outside of an injury to another guy. So that was frustrating. Um, I, again, it's week one. <laughs> that That's the, that's the saying that goes around. Treff said it with the Eagles too. Yeah. But I myself a million times. It's not going to sway me on my season-long thoughts in the Steelers quite yet. Obviously, it wasn't the outcome I was looking for or the performance I was looking for in the slightest. But I, uh, we can easily turn it around. I mean, there's there's been there's been examples in the past of teams just getting the doors blown off them, and then it didn't really affect the season. I mean, <laughs> there, there's counts of examples. I mean, you have the Jags who went one and. 15 they the only game they won was week one a couple years ago so there's a there's a ton of examples of fluky stuff that happens uh we just have to remind ourselves of that it's probably going against a top three team in the league and if you're looking for consolation prizes it's not a division loss it's not a conference loss so if you're going to lose this is the game to do it and uh hopefully we just come to play for week two and i know the injuries aren't ideal as i touched upon but next man up that's uh that's why you draft depth and best player available because you never know when your guys are going to go down so that's pretty much all i have to say jack uh what else if you Uh, have anything else i thought it was hypothetical today and you kind of touched on at the end would you rather lose that way would you rather lose how we did on sunday to the niners in the nfc or would you rather lose to a divisional opponent Let's say the Browns in a in like a close game. Ooh, that's tough. 
Why couldn't have you said the Bengals? <laughs> if, if, if you said Bengals or Ravens, the Bengals would be I, like, all right, yeah. If it's the Browns, I don't know. I mean, I'm <laughs> expecting to beat the Browns, so uh, it is a tough one. I'm gonna. What, it's, it's. I mean, it was uh, inconsequential for playoff. I mean, your overall record is what matters most, but it's cross conference. I but. think. I feel like week one. I feel like week one, I'd rather take solace in the fact that the team looked good than worry about Even though it was a divisional loss right off the bat? I think so. Just a division that's going to be competitive one. and it's like, competitive you need the like, divisional wins? Yeah, like a couple, I know, you need the divisional wins, but like a couple plays away, week one, I I think I would swallow that and be okay with that as opposed to getting to getting pumped. If we looked a little bit better on Sunday, I would probably say that, but there's literally nothing Besides yeah. TJ Watt's performance, that really you could take away from that game. So I don't know. That is a tough question. Interesting to think about. Um, Wait, I, I have a I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Um, so I like I like how we're uh, how you know, I asked you some questions like a press good. conference, and now you're asking us questions. I like that. We should definitely yeah. incorporate that. Go ahead. He was he. I know he he was kind of the talk of the team for the first couple weeks of the year last year. And we'll like, I mean, obviously, once again, it's one week, it was the 49ers and everything. But where for you guys going into this year and now after this week one, what's the yeah, yeah, what's the leash on them for you guys? Um, I'll take this one. obviously, like the like the team might do something completely different, but for you guys, when are you guys like, I'm done? The uh, he's got a longer leash, uh, according to the team than the fan base for sure. Um, but would I uh right off the bat of this game it's like I was texting Tempa, I said uh Kenny that was a bad throw by Kenny, but the Fire Canada movement is in full effect again. Like it is uh, the Matt Canada special of uh, or the first play of the game was a completion to Pickens, I think. It was like a six yard or whatever, five yard easy start. Then the the famous jet sweep that goes for negative three and then just a um, Kenny got sacked. So, sure. as, aside from that, as the game developed, the the game plan did not get better. I mean, it was as bad as Kenny was. Like I, I, I don't know. He, he maybe equal to as bad as Kenny was. And what stood out the most is like we just flat out got out schemed on both sides of the ball. Like, um, obviously the the Niners' offense is. It's so, it's just, it's so creative. Like watching the Niners offense and also later in the day, like watching offense, like the Dolphins come to, the, the Jaguars come to mind. Like these, these high powered offense that with such creative uh, and innovative offensive minds with, what did I say, McDaniel, Doug Peterson, and um, I mean, Shanahan. I don't know who's the OC now in, in San Fran. Um, I don't even remember, but. Like why can't why can't we just change? <laughs> I don't like why are we just doing the same thing over and over again? Like, like it's I I don't think we lack personnel. I mean maybe no, a little bit. Like, I I think we have at full strength now that Deontay's out even a little less. Like we probably people are higher on our skills position players. I'd say we're like middle of the road. Like it's say like, maybe we're like the the we're like fourteen. Uh, in, in terms of the whole NFL, like we, we don't lack, we're not void of talent on the offensive side. Um, Kenny, he's 
he looked atrocious on Sunday, but he's not. He hasn't looked atrocious. Like he he shows that he can perform. Like he's he's not he's not void of talent. Is what I'm trying to say. I don't get it. Like why are we just gonna keep trying the same thing? Like it's and I I built a lot of optimism in the off season as a lot of Steelers fans did. Like this offense is gonna be different just because taking the next step with Kenny and these guys are getting more chemistry working together in year two and beyond whatever year they're in. It's just handicapped and held back by Canada. I guess I, I don't I don't know. Um, yeah. So to answer your question in a long-winded answer, I mean, he's already on a short lease for me. And is your lease already non-existent? It seems. I mean, like I I don't know what else. Like Pittsburgh fans call for his head every week, and like I guess the the Steelers do a good job, and he's a good job blocking out the noise. But like. Maybe you should listen. <laughs> I don't know. Play like your job's in the line, which maybe it is. Halfway through the season, I don't. I really don't see the Steelers making a move mid-season unless things really fall apart. But um, uh, yeah, who knows? It's probably, so, it's probably, and he'll probably play. Out. If I had to predict, he's going to be the offensive coordinator for the rest of the season. Yeah. For me, uh, my answer would have been to get a new offense coordinator before the season started. Mm-hmm. However, now I'm, I'm willing to see him out until the bye week, which thankfully for our sake, our bye week is week six. Mm-hmm. So I think that would give us five weeks. And I think we could make a determination of exactly. whether or not he's making strides or not. If that were the case, you know, cause then that would give us two weeks in preparation with a, with a new guy. Be wary. I don't think, I think we would just, probably promote would you go promote mike sullivan jack quarterback coach yeah i mean i don't know who else we would i feel like that makes the most sense i'm looking at mike sullivan here of kind of his past resume um he he's been the offensive coordinator for the bucks uh he was the quarterback coach for the giants and offensive coordinator for the giants um giants qb coach in 2010 2011 Eli Manning had his best statistical season in 2011 and they won the Super Bowl. And 2016, at least for the Giants, when he was the coordinator, they made the playoffs at 11 and 5. So he's got some previous success. I don't know too much about him, but I'm assuming if he's the quarterback coach, him and Kenny are close. So that would be, I guess, the most seamless transition if there were one. But that would be my answer to the question. I, I'd be willing. Mid-season, to... You said if, if this is a midseason switch or after the season? Uh, both. I mean, maybe if it's offseason, you can definitely consider your options, bring in an outside perspective. But if it is midseason, uh, this this would, would I, be, I believe would make the most sense. So, yeah. All right. Steelers get the Browns on Monday Night Football. Huge game uh, at Akersher Stadium. So we will all be nervously watching. Can I just end it real quick with what TJ Watt is going to do against the Browns next week. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has like seven sacks. <laughs> he, uh, he obviously on Sunday, he had, if I remember correctly, five solo tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles, recovered one, a tackle for a loss and a pass, deflected pass. Um, and didn't even play. I feel like that many snaps in my, I, I didn't, I don't know the snap, snap counter, but, um, Historically against the Browns, TJ has he's played ten games. 
15 sacks in those 10 games, 40 solo tackles. Um, also, Brown's starting right tackle. Jack Conklin's out for the year. He's going into backup right tackle. So if you have any opportunity to wager a TJ Watt over on anything, I would take it. We're going to need him to be his usual usual self, uh, considering everything that happened last weekend. So moving on to our next segment here, we have uh, the team we were most wrong about considering the week one performance. Who would like to go first? Hmm. Sure, if you can go. You want me to go? I'm debating. I've, I I wrote down three. I have two teams that uh, that I might have been low on looking at it so far, and one that I might have been high on. If you want some extra time, I can go. I got my team. No, I'll go, because I'm going to do one that's a little, like, I don't think I was too off on him, but I think by the end of the year, I might look and be like, ooh, I was technically, like, really wrong. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Bears. I believe I had them at six and eleven, um, in our preseason rankings. I did too. I might have been too high. I might have been too high. Um, I wrote down a few things. Um, for me, it starts with the coaching staff. Ibraflus. I feel like we've been uh, hammering this home since the hire happened that we wanted a more of an offensive mind for Justin Fields. Um, they didn't go that way, and I think they're still seeing the effects of that. Luke Getze is the current offensive coordinator there. Um, about as worse of a week one performance that you could get out of him. I believe Justin Fields threw two passes over like 10 yards. It was something like something absolutely absurd. Especially considering that they were getting like pummeled for like a good amount of the second half. And like they still couldn't like get those numbers up at all. Um, so that's not a great start. The offensive line was bad. Very, very bad. Um, I don't want to rub it in people's faces, and I know that the situations make it a lot different, but I'd like to see what what people think at the end of the year when we look at Jalen Carter versus... Uh, what's even his name? Uh, Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright. Right. There we go. I, I, I do know his name. I was blanking for a second. But um, he didn't... I mean, obviously, I know it's a week one rookie tackle but didn't look great and just the offensive line in general just did not look good um the skill position group uh chase claypool <laughs> man oh man uh not even getting like targeted and still is somehow like the main enemy like just showed absolutely no effort on blocking i don't know if you guys saw it that there's like a minute long cut up of his plays and it is one of the most horrific things i've ever seen in my entire life i haven't but like you sent it to me uh, yeah, I, I can certainly do that for you. Um, and then on defense, uh, they have pieces. They obviously spent a lot on linebacker, TJ Edwards, uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, the secondary has some guys, Jaquan Brisker, Jalen Johnson, um, Eddie Jackson, who's supposed to be like kind of like their their veteran leader there. And um, I didn't watch the full game because the Eagles were on, obviously, so I was kind of going back and forth between stuff. But from all accounts, including Bears fans, he was like one of the worst def- like defenders on the field. So that's never a great sign. And they just have no one in their front four. I I, I know they picked up Ngakwe, but um, like, how far can he really take you at this stage of his career? So my overall thought, like I said, 6-11 and 11 isn't a good record, but I don't – they 
at the line of scrimmage, they might lose like every game. Like I don't think they're going to be able to get pressure, and I don't really see a way that their offensive line is going to magically like take these strides. So unless this offensive coordinator can figure out a better way to utilize fields and just like the skill position group in general, because you do have Mooney, you do have more. Like I don't know, man. It, it it might be the same as last year where the their offense is just going to have to score, score, score. Because I don't I don't know like this. We could be looking at like a worst team in football situation again, close to it. I don't know. Yeah, obviously there was a, a lot that went wrong for Chicago on uh, in week one. Not what you want to see against uh, your most bitter rival in the Green Bay Packers. Um, DJ Moore getting targeted twice Not is good. unacceptable. That can't happen. And, uh, for me personally, I also had Chicago at six and 10. I'm, I'm pretty certain I'm not, I kind of expected them to lose week one. Uh, I had the Packers. I took them in it with our picks last week. So it doesn't affect it too much. And I, I knew there were still problems in the, on the defense and in the offensive line. So I'm not going to try to too overreact to that. It's pretty much how I went, how I expected. Maybe I thought it'd be a little bit closer, but, um, that's certainly not a bad pick. I mean, they didn't they didn't take the strides that people wanted to see in week one. For me personally, just to echo what I said, I'm I'm really not trying to change my opinion on these teams after one week. Yeah, no I'm, not, I'm not completely sold on what I said, but it's just like it for me. It was more because I also took the Packers, but it was more how bad it looked that that shocked me to the point where it's like, oh, this might just be the same team, right? So I'm for my choice, I'm going to pick a team that I was high on and they won on Sunday. But I'm still a little bit worried that I, I might be wrong about them, especially because I said it so emphatically and Jack disagreed. It's the Washington Commanders. Ah. Uh, they didn't cover. They were seven-point favorites. They won by four. And they, they didn't look great. And they struggled against, which I still think is the worst team in football. Um. I think the main reason, which gives me some skepticism, is uh, the offensive line. I may have underestimated how much of a of a hindrance they may be. Sam Howell was sacked six times, and the, their rushing attack was really bad. They only ran for 3.3 yards per carry. So the defense still played really well. That was expected, especially against a pretty bad offense. But I don't know. Sam Howell turned the ball over twice, I believe. And he looked good in some spots, but again, it's just there was something missing. And I think it went back to the offensive line, what I just said. So that could be a problem. I'm still optimistic about the commanders. It's just that performance, even though they won, and a win is a win, you'll take them ha- however way you can get them. Didn't, it didn't uh, affirm what I was thinking about them. So I, I'm kind of worried about them a little bit that I may be wrong about them. Um, yeah, the, uh, the sacks is a concern. I, and it wasn't like there were the O-line was, uh, yeah, not good. Let up six sacks, but Sam Howell himself, like he, like he took an 18 yard sack at one point, I think it's like, that's, that's not really the O-line at that point in general, how didn't look great. Um, but I'll defend you cause you were a big supporter of Sam Howell. Uh, prior to the season, which was still am four days ago, and yeah, still, still are, but yeah, um, it's tough for young quarterback when they're getting that pressured, like 
we not to bring you back to the Steelers and Kenny, but I really do think that affected Kenny's confidence so much on Sunday, even getting peppered with pressure all day long. It's just really hard to make more decisive decisions. And that's kind of what I didn't watch as in depth as the Steelers, but kind of what I saw with happened with the commanders and Hal on Sunday. Um, a little more concerning, I guess you could say, for the Commanders and the Steelers, because probably the best defense in the league the Steelers face versus maybe the worst in the Cardinals. Um, but um, yeah, I guess that's all, all I got. The uh, Commanders got it out to win. I feel like I kind of feel like that's how it'll be like the whole season. They're not. They're it'll never going to blow anyone out, and they're never going to lose by that much. So. Yeah, what's your team, Jack? Uh, my team is a it's a different like different team than your guys, obviously. Um, but Straff went with a team that he was low on, or no, hot a little bit higher on. He should have. I was low lost. on. Now I'm even lower on. Yeah, Mitchell was high on the team. Now he's maybe a little lower. But I'm gonna go with a team that I was low on, but now higher on. Ooh, that's nice. I didn't really think of the, the question had, this way. I had one um, of those debating between. I'll say it at the end just to shout him out. The LA Rams. Mm. Um, a team that I and I think you guys too had or penciling in to pick like top five, top three maybe. I had him at seven and ten. Okay, I, mean, I did. Had him a little but, higher. I think I had him at five wins. I, want I, wanted, I wanted to amend it to five or six, though, after I said I it. I had him at five and 12. Yeah, and that I, was I even before was Cooper Cup was on IR. We made those predictions. So like, yeah. maybe you can amend it even further. Had him lower than um, So I, uh, and they, they defeated on the road uh, <laughs> my <laughs> NFC champion pick. Your NFC champion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, I think the biggest, maybe the biggest thing I overlooked, and all of us overlooked, maybe, and it's kind of a simple answer, but I think we underestimated uh, McVeigh, and we kind of wrote off we wrote off Stafford too soon. There was, and I got I feel like I was just blind or deaf, whatever you want to call it, if I heard or listened to it, to uh the the noise around Stafford and Rams camp all the reports like ha- were and again they're off season reports it's preseason take it as you will but maybe we should have ran into it more because the, all the reports were glowing of Stafford saying he was fully healthy looked fantastic and I, yeah I guess me being skeptical of the team in general kind of pushed that aside like alright any beat reporter is going to say that about the team but um Stafford looked good against a defense that I was uh, really high on. A lot of people were really high on a secondary that is really good. Um, he didn't have any touchdown passes, but he had over three, 334 yards, went 24-38, uh, a QBR of of uh, 89 out of 100. So um, that's an impressive line. But honestly, like you look at the box score as in like the stats for all their guys, like no one really jumps off the page at you. It's kind of like odd how they did this. And I guess you chalk it up to McVay and like just controlling the game. But even like the run game, like Kyron Williams we're talking about before recording, he 
he he's going to be a hot fancy target because he had two touchdowns, 52 yards in the ground, but only averaged three and a half yards of carry. Cam Akers, as Mitchell said before recording, ran at like an historically bad clip, it feels like. 22 carries for 29 yards. Salvage it with a touchdown. Those are only three scores, I believe. Well, they must yeah. have had a defense. Or, no, they had three field goals. Three touchdowns, three field goals. Um... Even defensively, all the no names on their on their defense remain no names. They're they're not jumping out uh, statistically. Like Donald had half a sack. They totaled up two sacks, three TFLs. Like it's it's you wouldn't looking at the box score, you wouldn't have expected them to win. However, when you flip over to the Seahawks side, um, Geno Smith had 112 yards. The Seahawks had a good first half. They think they were they had a lead at 13-7 at half, but Came out so flat in in the third and fourth quarter, um, like DK and, and Gino got busy early. I I don't even think T or DK had a catch in the second half. He had forty seven for a touchdown and three catches in the first, and I think that was his, yeah his total. Lockett got hurt in this game, so that could have uh, hindered their offense. I mean, it, it must have hindered their offense. Um, but I guess hats off to McVay for. A dominating win against a divisional opponent on the road, like with expectations are so low. It's it that was a very impressive win by the Rams, and I mean I don't want to overreact to Week One too much, but maybe if if they if they show they can do this, I mean there's really no reason they couldn't they can't compete for that seven seed maybe in in, in for the wild card. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think you can blame yourself for being blind or deaf, as you said, to the training camp reports of Matthew Stafford looking good, because like you said, it's so hard to decipher what actually is true uh, with those reports or not. So yeah, I still, I'm still not buying into the Rams, no matter what I saw here. They're going to need to prove it to me for multiple weeks. They play the 49ers this week, so it could no, be a whole different that. story. But uh, we will see. That's the beauty of football. You know, it could look so different the next week to week. Moving on here to our week two matchup previews. We've picked three games. Um, first off, I want to say a couple things before we get to the games. I'm definitely really excited to have the Steelers not during the main slate so I can more closely follow all these games. Because obviously if your team's playing, you're not quite paying attention to the other games as much as your own. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. So I can just be fully invested in red zone uh, as opposed to having eyes on the Steelers game. Mm -hmm. Second thing I want to say is our three matchups we're going to be talking about here, which we all decided, which were probably the most intriguing are the uh, chiefs and Jaguars, the Ravens and Bengals and the Seahawks and the lions. We were going to have the jets and the Cowboys and I can't believe we made it whatever it is time we're recording here without mentioning Aaron Rodgers but you know obviously if you if you've been on Twitter or watched the game last night Aaron Rodgers uh tore his Achilles and he's out for the season after only uh playing four snaps and attempting one pass and uh I mean clearly this affects the entire landscape of the league as a whole and more specifically the AFC playoff picture uh Zach Wilson seemingly is a starter for now unless they bring someone in but i mean i can't believe jets still gutted out that win that was that was wild 
and it's almost it's almost more disappointing because seeing that defense in action again, like it, like especially it, it's got to be so disheartening. Is it like fun because that defense is so good and like young, but it's like oh, we just had we just had the quarterback still four plays four. Yeah, I mean this is just it's bad on all accounts. Um, and obviously it's frustrating for Jets fans because you're just you finally think you have something and then it just rips out immediately. And you did like you, like that defense is so good. Like the, it already isn't going to take like a crazy amount to win games, but like it was so much easier up until this point now. Yeah. So definitely sad to see. Uh, I hope the jets bring in someone else at quarterback. I do not want to watch Zach Wilson play in prime time four times he, throughout the rest of the year. He's in good shape. Yeah, so there's been rumors galore on Twitter about who the Jets could potentially bring in a quarterback here, but yeah, we will see. I, I definitely want to just mention that before we get to the games here, because it would feel weird if we didn't just mention the, probably the biggest storyline the entire weekend. All right, our first game, we have the Kansas City Chiefs going to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Chiefs are three-point favorites. Chiefs obviously lose the opener to the Lions, twenty-one to twenty, and the uh, the Jags took care of business on the road in Indianapolis, thirty-one to twenty-one. Um, Jack, we'll let you have the first word on this game, as uh, you are a near Jacksonville resident, so you kind of have the pulse of the city right now. And uh, what do you think about this game? Is it, or do you think the Jags are? Not the Jags themselves, but the fans. You think they're riding too high? Um, how do you see this matchup unfolding? Uh, I think the fans are riding high. I don't think they're riding too high at the moment. Uh, the Jags, they look good. Granted, it was against a Colts team that um, I wouldn't say is great. They had a rookie quarterback make his, his NFL debut. Uh, but the offense, as I did allude to earlier, looked uh explosive especially with the addition of ridley i think he had like eight for a hundred and a touchdown uh it's gonna that's gonna be tough for the chiefs to handle i i uh they get back chris jones this week which uh interesting little contract negotiation they came to at whatever a couple days ago interesting um, Very weird yeah, he's just getting like six million dollars extra in incentives, I think. Just a one year um, deal. I mean, they're, yeah, they're gonna go right back to the table after the season, which feels ridiculous, but they're doing it. Right. It's a. Uh, I don't know. Like the uh, the the Jags' offensive line, they're down. Brandon Sheriff, he's probably not going to play in this game. So, and exit him. Insert Chris Jones. That's not a great recipe, I'd say, for Trevor Lawrence. Um. So I I imagine he's gonna to need to get the ball out quicker than he did on Sunday, with the the Colts pass rush led by DeForest Buckner. That's all I can really think of the top of my head. Um, so I'd expect Christian Kirk to be more involved. I guess he didn't have a big game on Sunday, but I envision him being a a quicker, more intermediate target for for Trevor. Um, but their weapons look great. Ridley looked great. Zay Jones had a fantastic touchdown catch 
Evan Ingram looked great in the passing game per usual. Like they, they do have good to great weapons. Um, I'd expect a high scoring game because that I do think that even though Chris Jones is being added, the Jags will be able to score. The Chiefs, obviously adding Travis Kelsey back, um, they're going to be able to put up points. I mean, the Colts put up 21 points against them. Granted, one was a defensive touchdown on a kind of a fluke play. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, more interesting than I thought it would be preseason, to be honest. Um, because I think I kind of had the... the uh, and maybe we all do of their last matchup in the division round last year was kind of close, but not really. Like the Chiefs kind of dominated the whole game or had control the whole game, I guess I should say. Uh, but I honestly think it's going to be a uh, a close one. I don't even know what the line is. Is it like Chiefs minus three? Three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm right on the money. I don't know. I I, I feel like that it's. I mean, it's, you shouldn't predict a push, but I do feel like the Chiefs win by a field goal. Like, I feel like the Chiefs are a better team and like barely edge it out on the road because they're hungry for a win, bound to bounce back after that um, Thursday night game. I, I <laughs> predictions for Kadarius Tony. What's he going to do Sunday? He might not. I mean, think think he'll catch it. Think he'll get targeted. Yeah, no, he will. Because like Mahomes, Mahomes already said that like he. Like expects them to be like a big part of this offense still. So I don't. It, it feels like it was just a one week thing, but I don't know. It, it's weird. Like they they have so many of like the same person. It feels like yeah. They have Tony. They have Sky Moore. Rasheed Rice showed a little bit. Like it, there's a lot of these teams. Like the Giants, the only one that I always come back to where it's like feels like they just have different fonts of the same person just kind of stacked along there. And then Travis Kelsey. Yeah, it's like after last season. Like they went from, in terms of their wide receiver one on their team, they downgraded from Tyreek Hill to Juju. Everyone was down on them, but then once Mahomes proved he can deal with that downgrade, like they were like, "I'll do it again." <laughs> right, but I don't even know. I mean, I guess it's not like as drastic as Tyreek to Juju, and you go from Juju to Scott. Like who? I don't know. Who's their leading receiver? I think either Rasheed Rice or right. uh, it, it might have been Justin Watson, possibly. Oh, Valdez Scantling had two catches, I think, too. Like, it's just yeah. a whole, it's just a whole jumble of of mid. <laughs> so, like, is there is there like a rock bottom at receiver that even Mahomes can't deal with? Which maybe it's this. I don't know. Like, I, it, it Juju is a very reliable target. I don't. What? How did he do on uh, Sunday? I don't even yeah. know. I think he had like two catches or something. Yeah, like he was very quiet for them, but. It's a. Uh... Anyway, I guess we can. Uh, I don't know. I'll say about this game. You guys got anything more? You summed it up pretty well. The only the yeah. other guy I wanted to point out, uh, Trayvon Walker looked looked great against the Colts Week One. Um, yep. I I sent you guys the Claypool cut up. I I had a, tr- a Trayvon Walker cut up as well that I'll send. Um, okay. But I feel like we were hoping that he would kind of make that leap and give Josh Allen a good a good guy on the other on the other side to kind of partner up there. I think that's a huge key in them taking like a step towards actually being like contenders here. Cause seemingly I think the Ridley and Lawrence connection is going to be as good as we were hoping it would be. So the offense really doesn't concern me at this moment. I, the, the defense is going to have to carry their weight. So um, a good sign, but I, I'm very excited for this game. I think this is, 
I definitely don't think this will be what we saw last year, for sure. I think this will be a lot, a, a lot closer. Am I mistaken, or didn't Josh Allen have three sacks? He did. I think he did. And then Walker had one, and here, I'll, I'll find the cut-up again here, but like was getting through very consistently. Yeah, for me personally, I, I, I think getting Kelsey back, I mean, he should be good to go this, this Sunday. It's going to be, I, I think we're, we're going to stop talking about, like, I think they'll be completely fine um, once Kelsey's back in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, echoing what I did say in the AFC preview, I questioned whether the Jags defense can hang with the elite AFC offenses. Um, and we'll we'll certainly find out on on Sunday. Uh, Indianapolis had some success against them. I know they scored a defensive touchdown, but Anthony Richardson looked uh, he looked okay. So serviceable, you know. Yeah, I thought he did fine for his debut. Absolutely, didn't right. look as lost as I thought he'd be. Like considering he has like such little experience. Yeah, at the college level. Yeah, Ridley and Lawrence looked really really good. Jack mentioned eight catches uh, on 11 targets for 101 and a touchdown. Definitely really excited to see them out there uh, this week. And last thing I'll say, which doesn't really have anything to do with this game, but it has to do with the Chiefs. I thought for multiple years that John Ross and Justin Ross were siblings, and I came to find out that they're not related at all. I never even thought about them even being siblings. I never. I, I was convinced. I told my friends I was there. I'm 99% sure that they're they're related, and they all looked at me like I had two heads, and I looked like an idiot. So I just wanted to expose myself there. I mean, Ross is like a common name, so I wouldn't like. I know it's a co- I know it's a common name, but I thought I I swore I heard from someone say it, and I just uh, no. I'm glad I didn't say it in the podcast. Although I just did right now, but I'm glad I didn't uh, make that mistake live on 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 the podcast here. Okay, moving on. We have the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Cincinnati uh, to take on the Bengals, where the Bengals are favored by three and a half last time I checked. I don't know if it changed. Um, but obviously, Cincinnati looked awful on Sunday, scoring three points in, the, in a rainy Cleveland. Baltimore looked pretty good. Um, you know, I mean, they, they played the Texans at home, so you kind of expected them to, but... I guess I'll take the first word here, and then, Shref, you can get the last game. Uh, I mean, I just mentioned how bad the Bengals looked. I feel like a lot of quarterbacks played pretty poorly on Sunday, and I think Burrow may have looked the worst out of all of them, to be honest. I mean, we're talking about Kenny Lydon looked good, Daniel Jones looked awful, Josh Allen looked bad, and I still think Burrow may have played the worst out of all of them. I know the weather conditions didn't help at all, but, you know, he completes awesome less than 50 50- yeah, he did okay. Good enough. Like, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, Burrow completed less than fifty percent of his passes. Only had eighty-two yards. I mean, that's unreal. Yeah. I just, I just don't know how that even happened. I didn't. That's possible. I expected this to be a close game, but I didn't expect this, like a complete blowout by Cleveland over Cincinnati. Raymond's defense kind of dominated, but that was kind of expected going against a rookie um, in his first NFL start. Lamar kind of looked pedestrian, in my opinion. Um, nothing too of note there. I'm definitely intrigued to see how the Ravens are going to supplement the loss of J.K. Dobbins, who 
unfortunately just cannot stay healthy at all. Yeah, uh, he also tore his Achilles. To watch, he's fun to watch when he's healthy. Uh, I'm definitely also really excited to see how Zay Flowers will build upon his impressive week one. He had uh, nine catches on 10 targets for 78 yards, and he was just really fun to watch. So definitely excited to see how he, he does out there in week two. I'm definitely looking for a Jamar Chase rebound week. He kind of screwed me. I, I, I did the... There's a DraftKings happy hour promo where they, they boosted uh, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase to have 50-plus yards each from minus 250 to plus 100. And uh, obviously, Jamar Chase did not hit that. So uh, thanks, Mr. Chase, for nothing. Hopefully, uh, for his sake, he can rebound. In four games against the Ravens, he has 30 catches and 462 yards. So he averages about just under eight catches and like 115 yards a game. So... I think he could definitely have a good week too, and uh, pretty much all I have to say, unless you guys have anything else to add on this one. You know that. Uh, just sorry, just the injuries I want to mention to the the Ravens. Like you mentioned, Dobbins. Like they, the Ravens, they're already injury bitten. In I said it's week a healthy one. Ability, week one. Yeah, and it's it's very true because Dobbins is already on IR, their best running back. Marcus Williams is already ruled out for Sunday. Uh, and then Andrews didn't play on Sunday. He's still in this injury report. Ronnie Stanley got hurt in Sunday's game. Uh, so did Marlon Humphrey. All those are questionable for Sunday. It's uh, that for the team that had the what is it the the worst graded the only F graded like players say I forget what was the the category they failed in and it's it like they like had all those staff or something like that. I forget. They didn't. Maybe they didn't make any changes all season. Somehow, for some it's reason, I don't. I don't get it. Uh, you know, you summed everything up. Zay Flowers, I'm excited for that. The one part, like the Todd Monk and offense, like you obviously you can't go back to Georgia and like pick a player. It's like, oh yeah, that's like what they're doing with Zay Flowers. But like I think about like Brock Bowers and like how good Monken was at like scheming up for him and just like finding different ways to get him open. And it feels like that might be what he's going to try to do with Zay, which is exciting. Um, the offense, I'm not going to – it's kind of similar to how we talked about the Chiefs without Kelsey. Like, I don't want to make a full judgment on what this looks like on a consistent basis until Andrews gets back. Um, hopefully it's this week. We'll see when it is. But the Zay Flowers was exciting. And then for the defense with the injuries, definitely concerning. But that defense moves uh, off of whatever Roquan Smith decides he wants to do. He is so good. Like, so, so good. Like I know the whole like paying linebackers thing kind of become is kind of turning into the running backs uh thing, but if you have a really good one, it's similar to like a Fred Warner thing. If you have a really good linebacker, you Yeah, I was just gonna mention him. You should probably pay that guy if you have a really good one. Uh another Bears uh shot there, but that's besides the point. Um but yeah, I'm excited for this game, but for the Bengals it is tough, like after having that bad of an offensive showing it out of all your defenses to go against as like your get right game this probably isn't the one you wanted to see um but i think they'll bounce back i i think this would be a classic afc north you know maybe a little bit more lower scoring than we'd think coming into it but i think it'll be fun i believe the total in this one is 46 and a half uh but that's just off the top of my head so something to think about our final week two marquee matchup that we'll be looking into here is the Seattle Seahawks uh, traveling to Detroit 
And Detroit, I believe last time I checked, is uh, I have written down five and a half point favorites. I believe so. So Seattle obviously had a less than ideal week one with the handed loss to the uh, the Rams. Shref, you can have the first word on this one. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I put for this is the the Lions won a game that I never thought a Lions team could ever win. Like the Lions are never a team that that wins like that that type of like weird play like bad luck end of the game type of stuff where they you know you gut it out and you win a game especially in Kansas City so I think like even if you like you could say that the offense like didn't look like great for parts of the night but the fact that they still found a way to win that game without like the offense being like at its best is a, a good sign no matter what the Chiefs looked like. Um, Defense stood pretty tall against Mahomes. Aiden Hutchinson, I talked about Trayvon Walker. Aiden Hutchinson also stood out to me. Um, still not like, from what I saw, like he's still not like the bendiest guy. Like he's not going to kind of be able to like get around you and underneath you. But he is so big and just so powerful. He was just, he was ripping through uh, their tackles uh, in that Thursday night game. Um, so I'm excited to see him continue. But for me, like the defenses are going to be what I'm most interested in. The Seahawks defense looked awful against a Rams offense that we thought was going to be like bottom of the league. Even with Cooper cup, we were like, Hey, I don't know if I see it. And without him, we were like, no way. Um, did the Rams look really good? Did Matt Stafford look really good? Yes. But you also have to say that Seahawks did not look good. We'll see if that changes. I think Pete Carroll said Devon Witherspoon's expected to play already. Um, so that should obviously add something to this defense that they clearly would like to have. Um, and then for the Lions, obviously their defense last year was the reason why they couldn't sneak their way into the playoffs because they started off the year so bad because their defense could not get off the field. Um, so if we can see some consistency out of that defense, uh, this will be a good test. Like on paper, the Seahawks offense should be pretty good this year. Um, I know their tackles got hurt, but I mean the skill position is the still the skill position guys are still pretty much as good as it's going to get. Um, so this will be a good test if they can, I'm not saying like shut them out, but if they can, if the Lions can come out and like kind of contain them a little and give their offense a chance to like go win them the game, then I, this Lions team is, is going to be looking pretty for real. So I'm, this is a fun one. I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, me as well. I, I, uh, two fun teams, uh, even though the Seahawks didn't look how we all thought they would in week one still very intriguing teams in my mind to uh teams that should be right in the thick of the nfc anything to add on this one jack before we get on to our uh, picks for week two no, let's, let's get into the picks i'm excited recap how we did sunday slash this weekend okay Back so <clears throat> here we are week one sportsbook donation of the week uh I'll start with myself, who won last year, and uh, man, I just I can't believe the Bills didn't win that last one for me. But <laughs> I picked the Green Bay Packers to cover against the Bears, uh, cover one point, and they did very easily. Picked the Bills to cover two and a half. I was very, very confident in that one. And uh, then Aaron Rodgers went down. I was even more confident that the Bills were going to win, and then they still didn't cover or win 
So that was uh, that was kind of heartbreaking. But I did have uh, Las Vegas and Denver under 44, which very proud of myself on that call. Uh, I thought that line looked a little fishy, way too high. So I went two and one in the week. Jack also went two and one. He correctly predicted the Titans plus three. Uh, they didn't win, but they only lost by one. So they uh, nicely cover there. Philadelphia minus three and a half. That was uh, got a little dicey at the end, but uh, still uh, Jack takes uh, both his spreads down. However, the total um, San Francisco Pittsburgh over 40 and a half did not hit. Pretty close, though. So overall, pretty good week for Jack. Two and one there. Can't necessarily say the same for Sheref. Uh, his arch nemesis, Meet Carroll. He strikes uh, again. He strikes him, again. Made him look like a fool when <laughs> the Seahawks time. did. The made Seahawks. him look like meat every time. Yeah, man. Uh, Sheref is some spoiled meat there. You, you guys need to start reminding me to, to not. Do you need I to go because to- because last week I realized that uh, as soon as as soon as we stopped recording, I was it hit me that I that week one I bet on meet Carol. Do you need to go to MA meets anonymous? I, I think I do. <laughs> so anyway, the Seahawks did not cover five and a half in the slightest. Yeah. So that's a big fat X. Yeah, uh, Shreff did get the Ravens minus ten though, so did get one back there. However, the uh, Tampa Bay Minnesota game did not go over. The 45 and a half. It looked, which it looked ref great. Anticipated, unfortunately, uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, he did enough to win them the game, I not to help Shreff win that one. But uh, I guess he mainly got to be mad at Kirk Cousins in that one. So I, I week one, I bet on Kirk Cousins and I bet on me, Carol. I got to I got to be checked into an institution of some of some form. I think you need to, yeah, take a long look at yourself in the mirror and reevaluate some things. Bad. All right, with that being said, we're moving on here to week two. Long, long season. Uh, plenty, plenty of opportunities to gain some ground here. I will be going first. Uh, I've decided if Jack and I are, or anyone are tied, I'm going to have the tiebreaker because uh, I'm holding the lead. So I'm, until it's taken away from me, I'm going to go that's first. Fair. So I hope that's okay with everyone. That's fair. My first pick, this is going to crack you guys up. but. Uh, Seahawks couldn't cover five and a half last week. Well, they're getting five and a half this week because I'm taking them. I'm glad you did it because I was really tempted to take it. <laughs> I was tempted to go right <laughs> back to it. Man, you you really do have a problem. I do. I can't get enough. <laughs> uh, well, I got some compelling numbers here. Since sure 2010, which is the uh, Meets tenure as the Seattle head coach, Seahawks are 46, 29, and 4 against the spread when they're coming off a loss. That is 61.3%, and that's the second best in the league in that span with that criteria. That made me feel confident in this one. Um, second reason why, I, this is my first pick here of this week. In the spirit of not overreacting to week one, I think I viewed these teams pretty similarly going into the season. I actually had a higher opinion about Seattle. So I, I think if this was the opening game of the year, I think it would probably be probably two points more in favor of Seattle. I think um, the Lions winning on primetime may have affected this line a little bit. And uh, not to take anything away from them because, you know, it certainly deserved all the credit for that win. But they did benefit from all the drops that Kansas City had and also Kelsey not playing. And uh, the offense did look shaky. 
you know, I know they kind of came alive a little bit at the end there, but for three quarters of that game, they didn't really impress me too much on offense. So I think Seattle bounces back. I'm not going to call them money line, but I think uh, they can definitely get it within five and a half. I'm anticipating a field goal game on either side. So I feel pretty confident in Seattle uh, five and a half. Jack, you are up. Um, quick question. Are, are we allowed to take a spread and a, to- and a total in the same game? I don't see why not, right, Jeff? I think that's, yeah, I don't, yeah, I have no problem okay. with that. I'm just going to give a hint. You're, you're going to give a hint away here, aren't you? Uh, okay. No, I'm not. The first, this pick, I'm not considering the total. I'm going to go with the commanders. Oh, you jerk. You big jerk. The commanders plus three and a half uh, against the Broncos. Uh, I'm sure Mitchell has a stat somewhere in there <laughs> that he read last year. Uh, if the total is like under 39, like the, the underdog hits like 60 to 70% of the time. Mitchell, is that, I, can we just make up a stat that's right? Because that just sounds right. I mean, you can make it up. I, I'd have to right, I'll make it up. Um, check check the archives for that one. The, uh, what I said earlier about the commanders, I feel like they're going to be in a lot of games, whether it's on the losing side or the winning side. I don't have much faith in the Broncos and my stat that I just uh, made up. So, commanders plus three and a half. They can lose by a field goal. They're going to win. So I give the good stack. Jack gives the, uh, the fake made-up stats. But you agree. Sounds right to me. Yeah. Shref, now that you can't take uh, meat and... That, sorry, that sounds... <laughs> sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> Go on. Yes. Oh, man. Uh... <laughs> or or your original pick, which it sounded like when Jack uh, was. you know took it away from you. Who oh, are you going with here? You have you've back to back picks. I do. Um, I'm gonna take both my. I think yeah, I'm gonna take both my spreads. Um, first one, I'm gonna. I'm ignoring the Rams Week One hype. I'm gonna take Niners minus eight to start. Um, my only hit last week was on a big spread, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try my luck for a second time here. Um, I was kind of hoping going into looking at this today, before looking at anything, I was hoping this was maybe gonna be a little bit smaller, um, just because of how the Rams looked week one. Uh, Vegas w- was not tricked; that uh, they they still kept it pretty wide. I'm still gonna take it. Um, this offense is still obviously you have Stafford. This offense is still inexperienced. And while I do think the Seahawks in the long run are going to be a good defense, they did not show it week one. Uh, the Niners clearly have a good one. They're going to continue to have a good one. I think that defensive line is is going to be able to take a little bit of advantage of this offensive line this time around. And I just don't think the Rams have the skill position guys necessary to keep up with the Niners here. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know. I still don't know if I'm a Brock Purdy believer yet, but he – he gets that offense humming when 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 he gets in a groove a little bit. Like he he makes some throws that you're like, did they really like find something out of this guy? Like it it doesn't make sense, but it somehow does. So I just I'm I'm not gonna buy into that Rams hype. I think the Niners are just a way better football team than the Rams are, and I think they will show it. It 
it feels like the Niners might be on a mission this year a little bit. Yeah, before you get into your next one, that that I just want to mention that throw that Brock Purdy made on the second touchdown to Brandon Ayuk, Patrick Peterson could not have played better no. coverage. That was yeah. just the most perfectly placed ball that he ever could have put it at. Yeah, I, I, I mean the Niners in the regular season they they get the ball rolling and they get it rolling good. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna feed the hot hand to start. Um, so second here, I'm gonna take another. I'm gonna take my my second spread. Uh, this might be a little bit of this one's the opposite of what I did on the first one here. This one could be a little bit of recency bias, but I also watched their entire game. I'm gonna take the Patriots plus two as my second one. Um, the Dolphins offense looked fantastic. Uh, against the Chargers defense. I will say that the Chargers still, as a team, confuse me, no matter what. We talked about them as one of these cursed franchises. Brandon Staley is supposed... And I, I even talked about it last week, that Brandon Staley seemed to, like, crack the code on Tua last year. Uh, he had, like, one of his worst games of the season last year. That was the exact opposite yesterday. And I don't know if it's Tua making a jump, which is certainly possible, but the defense was lifeless uh, the entire game. Um I think that'll change this week. Patriots are at home again, which uh, always gives them a little bit of advantage, as I, I learned as an Eagles fan this week. Um, and for me, the like I think the defense is going to hold keep Tua in check, keep Tua and Tyreek in check enough. Um, the Patriots' offense surprised me uh, a lot. Um, it didn't necessarily converted in touchdowns uh, throughout a, d- a good amount of the game, but Bill O'Brien has that offense moving a little bit. Mac Jones still showed like his deficiencies that I makes him like makes me not still believe in him too much, but he's clearly good enough to kind of take command of this offense a little bit. And yeah, I, I don't know. I just, it a home game. I think the Patriots felt like they should have won this game week one. I think they're coming a little angry and yeah, I'm going to trust Bill Belichick on the second one. So Pat's plus two. Don't hate it. I feel like everyone's going to be in on Miami. That makes me like, I think makes so. me like uh, New England even more. So I don't hate that one. And I watched him with my own two eyes. I saw, I saw the potential. I was almost going to say them as my team that I might have been off on. Okay. Jack. Second pick. Oh, it's a snake, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I get this next pick. Um. And I don't even care that Mitchell disagrees. I should just wait on it. But for dramatic effect, I'm taking it now. Shreff, we're going head to head. I'm taking the Dolphins. Wow. Taking the Dolphins minus two. Uh, I think they'll win. Uh, I was very impressed. I watched this game closely. Um, I watched a breakdown version of it from an anonymous source. I'll keep. I'll. I'll name it. It was around the NFL podcast that they did a NFL Plus special on this. Why, why um, are you gonna make that? An, an I don't know. What a weird uh, form of gatekeeping. <laughs> uh, and also, but prior to this, like watching the game on Sunday, and again, I voiced my frustrations for Canada, like the mastermind that McDaniel is. Like it's, it was, it was beautiful how they ran their offense, and it was high powered. It was aggressive. Uh, Tyreek Hale looked like the best receiver in football on Sunday. I don't, I could see that repeating. And if they bracket him and target or cover him too much, Jalen Waddle has the ability to go for what? Like 150 himself. And I, uh, they ran the ball pretty well as well. Um, and cherry on top. 
Bill Belichick has never beaten Tua. There you go. So I'm going to trust that historical trend of Tua going 5-0 and against, well, against the, Patriots the, uh, could also Patriots. Lose, the Patriots. could also lose by one. Don't forget that. Um, also, uh, Mitchell, I will say, remember at the beginning when we did our bold predictions and I said 2,000-yard receiver? Yes. Tua stays in play. He may be 3,000 at this rate. Tua stays healthy. Love that we have our first head-to-head of the season here this early yeah. on. That's, that's always good. It's a good one, too, because I really do. Like, I, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Dolphins go out and, and win that game convincingly. But I just got a feeling. Sunday night football, too. All day for Sunday we'll, night. We really will be with Trev and Jack to go head-to-head. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, you want okay. some football. Can I, can I make my pick now? <laughs> yeah. All right. So my next pick here uh, is my second spread. I'm going to be going with the Kansas City Chiefs minus three. Ooh. They did not scare me off. They get Travis Kelsey back. They get Chris Jones back. Have a couple stats here. After a loss since 2018, which is Mahomes' time as the starter, the Chiefs are 15 and three straight up, not against the spread. And after a loss since 2013, which is when Andy Reid, his time as a head coach, the Chiefs are 27 and 12 straight up with a rest advantage. Wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. I don't. With I think rest it's advantage. I didn't mean to put after a loss. It's just since 2013 with a rest advantage rest with Reid. Okay. With with Reed as head coach, they're twenty seven and twelve straight up. Expect the Chiefs to win this game. I think they can cover three. Um, Kelsey could uh, get MVP votes after this week. <laughs> so I like Kansas City there. Uh, the totals. I don't know about you guys. I had like almost no feel for these totals this week. I don't really like any of them. I had a really, really tough time debating which one, and I'm I'm almost inclined to pass. I feel like they're and so low. There's a lot of 30s. There are a lot of 30s. Oh, there's a lot of bad teams week one. So right. Perhaps is that an overcorrection? I don't yeah, know. And then, like, and then the high ones are like really high. So, you know what? I'm gonna do something that we haven't seen too much in this segment. I'm gonna pass. Wow. Let you guys pick, and uh, kind of make my decision from there. So. I, I'm running the running the risk of uh, you guys taking. I have two options, which I, I don't love either one. So I want to see if you guys help me make my decision, and uh, I'll go last here with this last third round of picks here. So, Jack, you're up with your total. What if I deferred? Then Shref goes, and then I guess I'm back up. Unless I want you to do that. Then Shref defers. Uh, oh yeah, wait, Shref defers. Up. I'll just make my pick. <laughs> Uh no, I'll make my pick. There are two that I kind of like. Um but I'm going to go a lot of stake in that game. Hmm. Nah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with the over in the Sunday night game. Same game, Dolphins Pats. Even though it is high, it's 46 and a half. Like the the Patriots often look good against the Eagles, I thought, and that's a very good defense. Dolphins defense, um, they came up in a they came up big late and stopped Herbert and the Chargers on that last drive with a lot of pressure. But 
didn't honestly look that great throughout the entirety. I mean, yeah, they they let up what thirty one points, thirty points. Um, so I feel like Fangio's still getting that defense back, like not back, but under control. I'd say. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it could be a twenty four twenty three game. No, then the spread wouldn't hit. It could be a twenty six twenty three game. Twenty six twenty one. 26-21, Dolphins win. 24-23 would hit. No, I have the Dolphins minus two. Oh, for both. I thought, I yeah, thought yeah, you were just yeah, saying yeah. for the total. Okay. No, yeah, I, I walked it back. It cannot be 24-23. It could be a 26-21 Dolphins win. There you go. And I feel like that's, that doesn't... That wouldn't even feel like too crazy high scoring if, if both teams go with that. Bet, bet exact score, Dolphins 26-21. Okay. What well, if that happens? It'd be wild. Would be. Shref, are you deferring or are you going to pick? No, I'm going to take it. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to take the rock here. Um, I mean, I feel like we have, we have such a streak of doing it that someone's got to do it, so I'm going to do it. Uh, we, already have a, we already have one wager on it. I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to say I'm going to go Broncos Commanders under 38.5. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> um, I'm not. There's, there's not going to be any stats to back this up. We talked about how we were a bit disappointed in Washington's offense. They couldn't run the ball. Uh, the Broncos already. That's like the strength of their defense is that they don't let you run the ball. I think Josh Jacobs had like two and a half yards of carry, something like that last week. Um, they threw the ball well, but how much do we trust Sam Howell to throw the ball well? Um, so, with all that being said. Under 38 and a half. We're just uh, going to ride the hot hand. It's a low number, but it makes it sense. There's been low, uh, it's always a low number, and yet they still somehow manage to, to go under it. We, we take Broncos unders until they uh, prove yeah. otherwise. So. And it'll probably prove otherwise this week because that's the way it tends to go, but that, that's fine. I'll die on that hill. All right, so... Unfortunately for me, uh, you guys did not make my decision any easier because I was not on either of those two. I'm going to really kick myself if the one of my, this one total hits and the other doesn't, but I'm just going to go with the first thing I have written down because that was my initial gut reaction. I have the... Uh, oh, no. Oh, God. I don't know. I just I was about to do it, and then I, I, I've... <laughs> now I'm still def- conflicted. I'm looking at this one, and I really like the other one, but I... Oh, God. Um, I'm going to go one, with neither the, gonna hit. I know it's probably going to be a, this is going to be a inconsequential decision right here probably but I don't really go with overs so I guess I'll go with an over um, just to spice things up a little bit but I'm going to go with the Green Bay Atlanta over 40 and a half I was heavily debating that one heavily I don't really I don't ha- this is the one I don't have stats or anything written down it's just both offenses looked pretty good on uh, on Sunday. Green Bay scored 38 and Atlanta with 24. I mean, I'm not expecting the, the game to be a 38-24 game, but I still think 40 seems a little bit too low, in my opinion, for two teams that looked really good last week. Um, Bijan Robinson looked amazing with the touches that he got. His touchdown reception was unbelievable. The juke move he made on the defender. And uh, Jordan Love had the Packers winning the North. I think Shreff did as well. Uh, that that felt good to see them go out there and dominate how they did. So 
I don't know, 40, 40 and a half just seemed a little bit low to me. I, th- I, I would think this would have been maybe like mid forties, not low forties. So I'll go with the over. Um, definitely want to get some honorable mentions in here. Do you guys have any that you'd like to name? Um, I was deciding between the Pats, Dolphins, and um, the Ravens, Bengals under. Oh yeah, that one Ravens are injured. Bengals didn't look great. It's forty six yeah. and a half is like on the higher side of the totals this week. I feel like it's a, not a bad under. I agree with that. I also um, I debated the Steelers Browns over thirty nine and a half. Cam Hayward being out. I think affects that in terms of the running game for the Browns. I think they'll be able to get some stuff moving. And I, I'm forcing myself to believe that the Steelers are going to have a bounce back week on offense. Okay. My, uh, my backups or honorable mentions, if you will, were the, the spread that I was taking a billion years to decide between was the uh, Chargers Titans under 45. Ooh. I, Austin Eckler got banged up. He could potentially be limited uh, this week. And the Titans are quite literally the best run defense in the league. I said it on our AFC preview, but in terms of rush yards allowed per game, the past two years, they're number one both years. And they only gave up 69 rush yards to New Orleans on Sunday, which was the lowest of week one. So they're just picking up right where they left off. And I know the Chargers defense looked pretty bad, but I think Ryan Tannehill looked even worse than (laughs) their defense did. I mean, he he had a QBR of 10.3 and he threw three interceptions, no touchdowns. So, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't have a strong inclination about any of these totals, but those were the two I was deciding between. And, uh, you know, I was, I was debating going Pittsburgh plus two and a half. Cause you know, I know we say all these things about Tomlin as a home underdog and the same criteria applies this week. So I know it completely made us look foolish, uh, just a week ago, but you know, historical trends are historical trends for a reason, especially with something as the biggest sample size as Tomlin has as a head coach. So I think the Steelers also bounce back as well. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit confident um, going into Monday night football as much as you can, considering how bad the team played on Sunday. Those are our picks. Just to recap, I picked, uh, Meet Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks to cover plus five and a half. The Chiefs uh, to cover three points. Um, they're giving three points, so they're minus three. And the Packers-Atlanta game over 40 and a half. Jack goes with Washington plus three and a half. Miami minus two. And the Dolphins-Patriots game over 46 and a half. Shreff goes with the uh, another big favorite in the 49ers at minus eight. Goes head-to-head with Jack. Uh, taking the Patriots as dogs, getting two points. And the Commanders, Broncos under 38.5, the play that has been free money over the past 18 regular season games. There you have it, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully uh, your bets are hitting, your fantasy teams are doing well, your teams are doing well. And if they didn't, just remember it's week one. As we've said many times on this show, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Everything will be fine. Unless you're a Giants fan. Mm. Anything to close this out before we sign off for our uh, week one recap slash week two preview? Go football. I got nothing. Yeah, go football. I'm talking go about football. it again makes me more excited for Sunday. I want to watch more film. I mean, I've been I waiting know. to play for it.
Why why can't it just be Sunday already? Right. All right, folks. Thank you for listening to our 250th episode. Bit of a, a little milestone there for you. But uh, thank you, Hagoi Nation. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next week with uh, our week two recap. See you. Peace.